Yeah, that you have to go see the problem, I think, to have a stake in that discussion. You have to go you have to go to the front lines and see it. And that's one of the things I think that we do bring is that at any given point, I will get on an airplane and go somewhere and go and look at the problem itself. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today, Brad Halsey of Building Momentum. Brad, super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, this is awesome. Super excited to be here. Yes, this will definitely be fun. And before we jump into the interview, I want to read a little bit more about Brad so you can hear about some of the awesome things that he's working on. And Brad is a modern day MacGyver. He works to empower people from all places and backgrounds to solve the hardest, most important, and time-critical technical problems. As CEO and co-founder of Building Momentum, Brad leads a team of PhDs, engineers, scientists, innovators, trainers, makers, educators, artists, and thinkers to solve for impact in their community, making Alexandria the armed forces and the region a better place and ready to solve the hard problems ahead. Brad, super excited to have you on and hear about all the MacGyver stuff that you're working on. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's make it happen. So um, to kind of kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. Yeah, it actually um, starts uh, way early on. Uh, I had to join ROTC to pay for college and um, and was in the Navy uh, for four years, got uh, disabled veteraned out uh, after a shoulder injury um, and went to a think tank and uh, at Stanford Research Institute. And uh, it was great. It was, you know, grassroots R&D solving probably you know, really hard problems for the largely for the DOD. Uh, but the frustrating thing about all that was, is that technology wasn't filtering to the front lines where a lot of my friends were, were getting chewed up by, at the time, it, you know, Iraq was like full in force. And, um, and I just, I just needed to understand why we were making like, you know, X-wing fighters and time machines on, on this side. And then there, they're, you know, they're getting beat up by people using very simple microcontrollers and electronics. So, you know, unfortunately for myself at the time and the think tank, which I loved, I left them and found a contract uh, with the army with a consulting firm and basically just as a consultant went to Iraq in 2008 for about a year and was just like the embedded you know geek for uh, for the army so I just ran around kind of doing what I needed to do I had um, I really had very few uh, rules that I needed to follow so I could jump on mission I could go watch what people are doing I could get shot at and rocketed all the same and then build solutions there I had a little lab in Baghdad. And, um, and that is where like the entire course of my life turned because I fell, I fell in love with that building under duress, these problem solving under duress, incredibly addictive. It's just, I can't even, it's hard to describe, but like when the stakes are highest, um, I, I, everything like slows down and I, I love it so much. Um, and so when I came back from that experience, it had gone really well. And the army was like, I want more, more, more. And so I started training nerds to go to war like me. And um, but just because you're number one in your class at MIT does not mean that you know anything about building real solutions uh, or about dealing with people or, you know, getting rocketed and shot at. So 
I started um, at this consulting firm, started weeding people out with this training program I invented. Um, it was like a seven-day hell week of tech. Uh, and then that, as that got refined and, and I started really enjoying doing the teaching, I realized I could start a company doing both. I could, I could have a place where I could go do the work myself or I could train people to do that work. So I started building momentum with that in, in mind. It was like, I like to, to, to use the words that you were saying. I like to do the MacGyvering, but I also like to teach them. Um, and that's the genesis story of how we got started. And then it turns out we eventually moved into this place that we're in now, this large makerspace facility. And then people wanted to start having events here. I'm like, oh, this is cool. You have this really interesting place. Can we have our wedding here? Can we have our bar mitzvah here? So now it's like morphed into three pillars at our company. We, uh, we build stuff. We teach people to build stuff. And then we have these experiences and these events and all of those things are intertwined, right? So the experience might involve tech and you know, the building of thing might be a piece of art that goes somewhere. So it's kind of a crazy, crazy nexus of all three parts of my life coming together here. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I appreciate you, you know, helping so many people to, to understand that as well, too. And I think, um, you know, it, it just becomes and I was actually going to ask that. And it sounds like that's probably part of the case, too, where even if they're using the tech, um, they might be underutilizing the tech, not understanding that, OK, they have this um, other you know tool that they can use on their back and they maybe understand maybe five or 10 percent of what it could potentially do. But when you have that full understanding, not only do you, get, like you said, get to redefine so many many different aspects, but I imagine you get to blaze your own trails and create like an entirely new world and new thinking. It just creates this, it sounds like, um, you know, domino um, effect where you start to really see the world in an entirely different place. Yeah, we uh, we actually did this um, in, in a real life scenario during COVID where the Marine Corps ca called us because I have a pretty strong background in thermal imaging. They said, Brad, what thermal imager should we buy so that when people are coming into you know the bases, we can do a temperature check and see if they have COVID. And so my you know two responses were that doesn't really work the way you think it does because that's not how, you know that's not how the human body and thermal imagers uh, interplay. Uh, you'll get close to some information, but two, you shouldn't do that anyway because you guys have a thermal imager that is it's called the PAS thirteen, and it is you know wide throughout the armed services, but it's really underused because uh, it sits on a fifty cal a lot of times. And uh, you have to push your eye against it to turn it on. And it's just, they have them all over the place, but they don't get used that much. And so we said, don't buy one. You already have a really good thermal imager. Why don't we, why don't we take a little Raspberry Pi and, um, and figure out how to you know, wire it such that you can see people coming in and get data off of that. So we actually um, took 3D printers, removed the build plate, and would heat one up to like 80 degrees and we'd heat, heat another one up to like 110 degrees and then stick, put the thermal imager in the middle. And you can interpolate through those things um, what a human's you know, temperature was. And um, it was free. They had all of this with them. They had the 3D printers. They could just pop the plate off. They had the thermal imagers. We wrote a little code for them and a Raspberry Pi, a Raspberry Pi is $30. So in, instead of spending thousands and thousands of dollars per thermal imager across the Marine Corps, we gave them a chance to repurpose something that they already had in a way that maybe they hadn't thought they could do. And so we we're like, here's your code. Here's what you do. Here's your document. Go for it. Nice. I, I love that. And so, and that's might, you know, be part of what I was going to ask you for, um, which is your secret sauce. It could be for yourself personally, the organization or a combination of both, but do you think it's your ability to not just see like, Hey, these are the tools 
but also here's the strategy behind here. This, this is even imagining how they can work and interplay in a completely different way. Do you think that is what really kind of sets you apart and makes you unique? I think I just am annoying. And I asked the why, like, for instance, when we, we blew into Kuwait to do a training session there, we really wanted to fly drones. And as soon as we got to the base in Al Jabber, they were like, nope, can't fly drones. And I said, why? They're like, well, uh, this guy says we can't. So I, and the guy's door, why can't we fly drones? Oh, uh, no one's ever asked me. I don't know, but I don't think we can because this other guy, you know, so we keep doing that. Knock, knock, knock. What? Why can't we do it? Oh, the Pentagon. So then we call the Pentagon. Pentagon. Can, can they fly drones? Yeah, all they need to do is do this. But this guy controlled it. And so we just kept peeling the onion, peeling the onion. Finally, it, it was just a piece of paper we had to fill out. And it was the lack of knowing. Just people, it's easier to say no than to spend the energy to find out how to say yes. And so we, uh, we now have a robust drone flying program. But that, the secret sauce is that we just sort of say, why? Want to? Yeah, that you have to go see the problem, I think, to have a stake in that discussion. You have to go you have to go to the front lines and see it. And that's one of the things I think that we do bring is that at any given point, I will get on an airplane and go somewhere and go and look at the problem itself and just see what what is actually happening. Um, because then that's how you can keep teasing the why away of, oh, now I get why this is going on. You guys actually don't have anyone here looking at the problem. So you're just supposing the problem back in the lab. So that's a part of it too. We tend to travel wherever we need to travel to. Yeah, absolutely. And then that, that, that traveling sounds like the extra mile where they say the extra mile is never crowded, is never crowded because no one ever goes there. So whether we go that proverbial mile, you're actually going there to see because no one else is going there to actually see the problem, as you said. So I, I love that um, tremendously. And so I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? I mean, maybe one of them is my schedule. I, I come in later in the morning, um, probably one of the latest people to the company because um, I my wife uh, is a photographer and this is her crazy busy season. You know, we have three young kids. I try to get them off to school, take care of things I need to around the house um, and exercise if I can. And sometimes just think like sometimes I just need. 10 minutes of silence just to let my brain marinate on stuff because you know you come into the office there's a line out the door of people wanting to talk to you and problems and things so it's just that that morning time is mine and then um and then in the evening you know i will work uh, after i get the kids down sometimes the same i'll just have a couple hours you know uh maybe up to midnight or one o'clock in the morning where i can just like think and write some things down and so it's just shifting my schedule, I think, has been my hack. It's been out of necessity during the pandemic. We had to. Our kids were getting schooled at home. Uh, it was insane trying to get everyone on Zooms and trying to upgrade the internet so they don't drop sync all the time and like all of those things. So I was already I've shifted that. And then I've just kind of stuck with that. I have most of my meetings in the afternoon and I can... Um, like like this you know like this podcast where I can just uh, be more more focused on what's going on here because I took care of the things that I needed to take care of at home. Nice, I, I love that hack, and I think so many times we forget that sometimes taking a, a step and I'm going to use air quotes away um, is actually going to allow you to be more present and 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 be able to to provide more value as a result of doing that. I want to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget, and you might have already touched on this, but this is a little bit more of a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something if you were to hop into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. I think the thing that has made us unique is it, I talk about it as like this triangle of things to solve for impact. You know, so we we never solve for profits. Uh, that is not something that I actually hate, hate it when money gets into the equation. 
it is, money is just the the fuel we need to keep the machine going. But um, if you have the three things, which are you have a diverse staff, and that is diverse ethnically, that is diverse in education, that is diverse in global views. Um, if you have a diverse staff and you and you and you hire those people such that they all share the same passion to want to do things, uh, make the world better, uh, teach people to make the world better, you know, with their hands or with with their education, um, they they share that. And then lastly, if they have those two things and you give them a voice in your company, um, that's where greatness happens. And when you give diverse people who are passionate a voice, uh, you're going to have conflict. It's by design. People are going to argue. And I think. One of the things I would tell myself if I went back in time is learn, learn more quickly how to design that conflict such that uh, instead of smacking against each other, they eventually start smacking against the problem. Uh, it's something I've had to learn and I'm still learning all the time. People that are think differently, care the same, that have an have a equal platform to have an opinion. It's, it's great. It just creates a lot of rugby, creative rugby, as we call it. And, uh, and it's just, you know, leadership really means taking that creative rugby and turning it towards, you know, the right, the right problem set. I, I definitely appreciate that. And so would you consider that to be what I like to call the definition of what it means to be a CEO? And, and our goal is to really have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. I think being a CEO means uh, you have to constantly change and you constantly have to critique yourself and ask if you're doing the right thing. Um, so right now, this moment in the company, you're exactly right. It's it, To me, I am more trying to set the stage for people to to be creative and, and sort of basically take over. Like I, I can't, you know, it, it is dangerous to a company if I am the single point failure to all of that stuff, right? Like if I get hit by a, you know, a train tomorrow, um, this company needs to thrive and, and actually not just survive, but thrive and do better, like do better than me. Um, so to do that, basically, if you're constantly thinking, how do you replace yourself and, and go do something else, um, which yeah, I have a lot of thoughts of, of doing something something else too. Um, you know, how do you set the stage? How do you grow them the right way? How do you give them the resources and the training and and the empathy and the understanding to be to be that? Early on, you know, when we started the company, it, it, I was a very different CEO. I had to, you know, you spend a lot of time inventing things. You think think of new creative ideas and things to build, and and it's it's a little bit more um, just digging it out of the dirt, right? But now that we have things growing, now I'm I'm playing more farmer and just like cultivating the culti- I'm, gonna, I'm trying to think of this metaphor actually holds up. I'll just keep going with it. So and then you know eventually I'll get out of the the farming and we'll play a guitar at a, a speed metal band somewhere. Brad, truly appreciate that definition, and I of course appreciate your time even more. What I want to do now, which is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know, and of course how best they can get a hold of you, find about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. Yeah, I, I th- the best way to probably get a hold of us is to go through our website at buildmo.com. One of the really cool things that we are going to be kicking off in 2022 is uh, two of them are we're taking our innovation boot camp, which has been largely for the DoD who trained like 5,000 people all the way across the DoD in this space. Um, and we're going to make that open to everybody. In, in that same vein, there's another thing that we're really uh, hard launching in 2022 called Innovation Elevated. This is corporate training, um, but with the bent of building. So if you think about design thinking, you think about those those sticky note sessions where people really sort of open the aperture and and open their minds up and they figure out you know, what they're doing. And then they go off to their businesses and they try to enact process change. Um, and so that's what I'm really excited to, to let those things, uh, you know, unleash themselves in 2022 and see where that, where that goes. But, you know, look, look for Innovation Elevated. 
and then our innovation bootcamp opening up to uh, the civilian sector. I truly appreciate that, Brad. We will have the links and information in the show notes as well, too, so that everybody can hear about all the awesome things that you're working on. I truly appreciate that, my friend, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Yeah, thanks so much. This has been great. I can't wait to do this again. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast, powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the I Am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.